The Golden Mike Podcast is presented by SeaDeck Marine Products. SeaDeck features non-absorbent closed-cell PE EVA blended foam that delivers the perfect combination of comfort, safety, and style. For more information, check out www.seadeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. Your boat deserves SeaDeck. And now, it's showtime. the official voice of Toad Water Sports for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated the industry's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years of on-water experience, captivating charisma, and a command of his audience, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast, with the noise of the North himself, oh, yeah. Dano the Mano. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode 126 of the Golden Mike Podcast. As always, I am the noise of the North Dano the Mano. This time, I'm recording from the Temple of Noise North in scenic Northbrook, Illinois. I just looked at the forecast, and you know what it said? It said, you're due for your bi-monthly dose of audio sunshine. Today's episode is presented by and brought to you by SeaDeck Marine Products. We recorded it during the Malibu Boats Factory Smoky Mountain Pro. And if you look inside just about any new Malibu boat, I promise that you'll see SeaDeck Marine flooring. And it's not just for new boats either. Any boat, no matter what make or model, deserves SeaDeck. Head on over to the newly redesigned SeaDeck.com and use the search function to find the nearest SeaDeck fabricator and installer near you. They have hundreds of boats already digitized with their patterns on file, but if they don't have your exact boat, well, get this, brother. A certified installer will come to your house and digitize your boat for you and create a custom flooring job to your exact specifications. It doesn't get more custom than that, my friends. It's time to give your boat what it deserves, and your boat deserves SeaDAC. All right, well, we've got a great one for you today. I would stack this episode up against my very best, and I'm sure it would fit in nicely. Friend of the show, Rodrigo Denoso, is our esteemed guest. We're actually sharing a hotel room in this at the 2019 Malibu Boats Factory Smoky Mountain Pro in Tennessee, and we were having such a great roommate banter that I thought, why not record it and share it with you all? We've done this in the past. You all seem to love it. Heck, I love it. So here we are. But before we get into that, I just want to remind everyone that you can listen to and share the Golden Mike podcast on SoundCloud. Google Podcast and a wide array of podcast listening apps on Android as well as on my very own website, noiseofthenorth.com. You can also follow the Golden Mike Podcast on Facebook and follow me personally on Instagram at Dano T Mano and on Twitter at the Golden underscore Mike to stay up to date on all the latest Golden Mike news. Also, if you or anyone you know is in need of a free t-shirt or hat, all you have to do is head on over to iTunes and write a five-star review for this show, the Golden Mike Podcast, of course, and I will automatically send you free swag, stuff we all get, right to your doorstep. That sounds pretty fair to me, my friends. More than fair, actually. All you got to do is take a screenshot of your review once it posts and send it on over to goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. Once I get that email, you get your swag. And if you're still unsure, just try it once and see if you like it, my friends. Do it. Since our last episode, I announced the fourth stop of the 2019 Malibu Boats and WWA Rider Experience Series. That was in Spotsylvania, Virginia in the Nautique Boats WWA Wakeboard National Championships in Monroe, Washington. So from Washington, D.C. all the way to Washington State. Consistently, these are some of my 
favorite events and getting to see some of my favorite riders out there. I'm talking about the junior pro athletes. It was super cool being out in Virginia and getting to see Finn Bullock Womble, a.k.a. Finney Mac, taking the overall in the Malibu WWA Junior Pro Series. Then just a couple of days later, he headed on over to Washington State, Monroe, the WWA Nautique National Championships, and he solidified a W, a top podium finish in the Junior Pro Men Wakeboard Division. I'm sure he's not done yet, guys. These WWA events are so great because they showcase the top talent from all ages, both amateur and pro, ages ranging from nine years and younger all the way up to 60 plus. You just never know what you're going to see. Well, 63-year-old great friend of the show, Scott Leeson, he won three of the four regional contests this summer in the adaptive division. Leeson, who was blinded earlier in his life, about 25 years ago, has become an inspiration on the water and at all these great events that we go to throughout the summer. He's living out his dream of being an adaptive wakeboarder and inspiring others to do the same. I always tell folks that if you or anyone you know is an adaptive rider, you've got to enter a WWA event. These events are awesome. It's a great opportunity to to ride with pros and, and other folks and really challenge people's preconceived notions about what's actually possible. Scott was able to take home the PCM award for best amateur trick of the event at nationals. He landed a heel side 180, went right into a switch toe side cut. It was so clean. Think about it like this. The guy is cutting into a G23 wake. He can't even see it. He's able to somehow find the top of that wake, ride up all the way through it, do the 180. He sticks the trick. Guys, I've seen able-bodied riders just fall flat on their face just trying to ride up that wake in the past, tripping over. Scott's not letting his disability stop him from living his dreams and has found a way to create a new path for himself and others in similar situations. And if you guys are in need of more inspiration, I challenge you to listen to my interview with Scott in episode 121 of this podcast and see if that doesn't move you. Speaking of taking on impossible feats, I have to congratulate Regina Jaquist, professional women's slalom skier, for setting a new official women's slalom world record of four buoys at 41 off. That, my friends, is 41 feet off of a 75-foot line length. Literally, you are skiing 34 feet from the back of the boat, 34 miles an hour. Now, I know people who wake surf further back than that, folks. And again, 34 miles an hour. That is pretty dang fast. Keep in mind, most wakeboarders are only riding at about 22, 23 or so. I invite all of you to check out the video of Regina's all-new world record. It's on YouTube. And be prepared to be blown away. Even if you guys don't follow Slalom, the stuff that Regina's doing on the water is absolutely incredible. Here's some news fans of all towed water sports can celebrate. Delta Airlines has announced that they are dropping the $150 specialty sports bag fee that affected those of us flying with surfboards or wakeboards and skis and scuba gear. Instead, these large-sized items will cost the same as checking in any regular luggage. This will help provide riders of all levels with more travel options and alleviate some of the cost of an already expensive flying experience, especially when it comes to traveling to and from contests, my friends. And finally, speaking of contests, the 2019 Supra Pro Wakeboard Tour came to a close this past weekend in Boise, Idaho at Broadside Harbor Lake. This was the 27th year of the Pro Tour and the fourth year under the Supra sponsorship. I wanted to give a special shout out to Corey Tunison, Shota Tezuka, and Mike Dowdy for getting the podium and meddling at this final stop. On the wake surf side of things, I got to give a shout out to Noah Flegel, Parker Payne, and Sean Silvera, who also meddled. 
I was having trouble finding the overall results for the entire tour, but I know they'll announce them at the upcoming Wake Awards at Surf Expo, so I'll let you guys know as soon as I find all of that out. All right, all right, long-time listeners of the podcast will be very familiar with my guest today, Rodrigo Denoso. but for those of you who aren't, I'd totally suggest combing through the archives and listening to all the episodes that he's popped up in. I know he was prominently featured in episode number 56, but he's also made a ton of audio appearances during event casts at events, and I promise you that they're worth looking for again and listening to. Rodrigo and I both got our start traveling a ton for the wake sports industry roughly at the same time, and since then I've gotten to see him become one of the most prolific photographers in the sport. So many iconic shots and so many legendary stories. So what do you say we get into it, folks? The five-time photographer of the year. Here he is, Rodrigo Donoso on the Golden Mike Podcast. That is right. We are hanging out here in Knoxville, Tennessee in the top floor of the Hilton Penthouse Suite. Kind of a, this is sort of a yearly thing. Daniel DeMano, the four-time Wakeboarding Magazine Photographer of the Year, the one and only Mr. Rodrigo Denoso. Rodrigo, what's up, brother? How you doing, my friend? Let's just give a quick little recap of what we saw this weekend. So the weekend started out, I flew in from Chicago here to Knoxville and uh, met up with the boys, Jeff Langley and Brian Grubb, uh, Reed Hansen, Scuba Steve, our safety guy for the weekend. Got in here Thursday, 4th of July. The event was Friday. It was a quarterfinal round. And you got in Friday. You were supposed to get in Thursday. What You got a little uh, snafu when it came to travel this time. Talk about that. I got hung up, man. I, uh, I left the house um, with what I thought was ample time. But since 4th of July uh, was happening. Uh, Where? In uh, the Bay Area, like next to San I fly out of San Francisco, and it's about an hour and 15-minute drive from my house. So um, you always have to, like, add in some uh potential traffic time and um man during the holidays like i jumped on the freeway and it was a freaking parking lot so i just uh i made the call into the airline to see if i could change my flight and the change fee was astronomical so i just uh had to take a red eye in same day but just didn't get until the next day you know travel is pretty stressful when i fall into that situation i will probably I don't know. Did you? Does it? Does it frustrate you? Were you angry, or did you just kind of chalk it up and let it go? I chalked it up and let it go. I mean, like, no one wants to travel on the Fourth of July, so like, it we was, travel on the Fourth of July every year, hundred percent. So that's why it was like, kind of like, I mean, like, I hit the freeway. I saw that I wasn't gonna make it, and to be a hundred percent honest with you, it was a bit of a relief. I was like, all right, cool. I'm gonna go hang out at the house. Um, I got things that I gotta do. Um, spend another, I I don't know. 10 hours at home and it doesn't sound like a lot like 10 hours but I legitimately haven't been home uh, more than I think like I want to say it's somewhere like nine to like 12 days in the last four months so 10 hours at home is welcome so I took it man that was blessing got to so you came from Cali and you got out of there just in the nick of time we heard the word that there were some gnarly uh, earthquakes a 6.5 and a 7.1 did did uh hit you or your family or anything like that uh yeah you know what though i mean like people freak out on earthquakes but they're not like what you think you know like i feel like um they're they happen every day if you tell you if you really look like there's earthquakes every single day there's small little tremors that happen every single day and um to be totally honest with you like the six point whatever's you feel them but they're not like crazy scary um, nothing's toppling down on top of you. So it's not like you're, you're not in this crazy situation. Like, um, like it was in like 89 or whatever, when they had those crazy earthquakes in, in California. And, uh, what people don't really know is that like every point, so like a 6.2 is, I want to say, I could be mistaken, but I feel like it's a hundred times stronger than a 6.1. It could be 10 times. So like Google me or whatever, but it's a lot. It's a big difference. So like when you talk about a six point, whatever hitting it's big, but like the one that did all the damage was a 7.2 or something. So you're talking like potentially like a thousand times stronger. So big difference. First time I had you on here, we talked, I believe about the time you were 
on the phone with Todd Hicks from Fox, oh. and the earthquake came was down south and came north to so you. Wild. Well, it, yes, and it wasn't like super far south. I mean, it was a couple hours south, but there's a lot. That's like a heavy epicenter for earthquakes, and um, yeah, I mean that was unbelievable. He was just in. I was at a place renting camera equipment for a shoot we were doing for Fox, and. Um, those guys, like those guys are rad. They, they, they rent equipment, you know, if you need it and stuff. And so I'm in San Francisco picking the thing up and just ended up having to call in and say, Hey, like, uh, I wasn't authorized to pick it up. I wasn't on their little insurance form. So they had to make a call. So I called Todd and, uh, Todd's been the guy, the go-to guy for Fox for years. And he just basically like, as I'm on the phone with him, he yells out earthquake, earthquake, earthquake. It's coming your way. And I'm in San Francisco and I'm like, what? So I'm like, out of instinctually, just look at the, everyone in this camera store. And there's probably 25 people in this big old camera store. And I go, there's about to be an earthquake. And people look at me like I'm freaking crazy, right? Um, and there's plenty of crazy people in San Francisco. So they kind of were like, okay, here we go. And within five seconds, the whole place like rumbled pretty hard. And like, I mean, then the looks that I got were like, this dude is connected to Jesus somehow or something like they didn't know what was going on or how I was able to call that. Okay. So you were also there and I, yeah, of course we're going to, we're going on the earthquake subject right here. What about talking about the, the earthquake in 1989, the big one that happened during the world series? Uh, how close was that to you? And did that affect you guys or hit you guys at all? Yeah, it was, uh, it was fairly close. I mean, like, um, we were the epicenter. I think of that one was in like Capitola, which is about two hours away from my house. And, um, that thing was so massive that like, yeah, I remember like they, we do earthquake drills as kids, like where we live. That's just a standard thing that you do. Um, and so we, uh, they teach you to like get into doorways and places that are sturdy. Right. And, um, uh, I remember like looking at my mom and telling her I was going to go play football with the boys, uh, at the school that was like, uh, my house butted up next to the elementary school. And so, uh, yeah, man, she just, uh, it, it hit and it was, I mean, it was massive. Like the whole house shook really, really violently. And then, um, just shortly after I decided, you know what, we're not staying under this doorway. I'm taking my mom outside cause there's no big trees where I live or anything like that or big buildings. So, um, basically ran outside and I mean, the street was rolling like water, like a wave. Like a, and no BS, it was probably like a two or three foot wave. It was, it was crazy looking. You've endured a lot of elements. I think we've been in a monsoon in, or in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've probably been in hurricanes in Florida, uh, probably tornadoes in the Midwest yep. and earthquakes yep. in Cali. So what natural disasters scare you the most? Well, I mean, I don't know if anyone scare me anymore. I'm looking to get into a volcanic uh, explosion next so we could just cap it off and round the whole thing out. What do you know about volcanoes? Are we due? I, I, I keep hearing that we're due. We're due for all kinds of stuff, man. But I don't know. I got a pretty good track record. So um, I don't know. I, I, it just seems to turn out to be a cool story. Anyways, let's uh, hop onto the contest here. So we were here for the Malibu Factory Pro. You were the photographer. I was the announcer. We had so many of the top names in wakeboarding, but we had some major upsets, including the defending two-time champion Nick Rappa getting taken out in the semifinals. Big news, uh, Sam Brown, 16-year-old Australian kid. So sick. Right? Unbelievable, this kid. He made finals. Um, Corey Tunison didn't make the finals either, but um, guys who did, guys like um, Massey Pifferetti, Gunther Oka, Tyler Hyam, what did you think of that pro men's uh, division final semifinals, just the riding and the boys in general, just give a couple of highlights of what you saw and what you liked. I mean, dude, <laughs> it's gotten to the point where like you, you gotta be a wakeboarding expert to even know what's going on out there. They are all phenomenal at what they do. And um, man, I mean, I think we say this every year, but like, you just really don't know anymore like who can win because all of them can win. Um, and it goes the same with the girls. Like the girls are like have stepped their game up super hard and they're like ripping. And so I don't know, man, you look around and like Sam Brown, for instance, like like a year and a half ago or whatever, like last time I see him, I swear to you, like I'm only five, six. That kid must have been like five feet tall last year. I see him this year. He's 
friggin' like a like he's huge, you know, like he's still little because he's young, but but he's grown like a foot and his like he's gotten some power and like he was always a good rider. But there's this crazy thing like we were talking. I was talking with Harley today about like, you know, all these kids are the phenoms in their area, you know, like all these guys have been the very best in in their neck of the woods. And, and, uh, when you're young and you're a phenom, like you excel really fast. And then I think like right around 13 years old, man, like you, most of them plateau because you, you basically just can't like, you don't have the power to continue to be like progressing. Like you get to a certain place where it's just like, you, you just, you can only do what your body allows you to do. And then I think at one point they hit this stride, like at around 15 years old where they start getting some man strength and, um, man, that's when it's on. That's when the switch gets flicked, man. You, um, you see these kids, uh, just doing stuff that like you would never even imagine possible. And, and like, here's the other thing too. Like, they hit that thing again, you know, like that little deal that they did from seven to 12 years old where they just like went crazy and everybody's like, Oh my God, I can't believe all the stuff he's doing. And well, it happens again. And then they re like, I don't know if they reinvent themselves, but they find the love for the sport again, because all of a sudden they're learning new tricks again. And, um, and I think that's very critical for people to get really good, you know, like at something or is to, to the progression, right? Like if you're not progressing, like, you're probably going to lose interest because it's hard to stay interested if you're just being stagnant. So, and then also too, I've always said like kids uh, don't know what's impossible. They just only know what they've seen done. So like um, when you watch all the best wakeboarders in the world ride on a day to day basis, like these kids do, like how, I mean, like they don't know that like half these tricks weren't even uh, like a thought, like a possibility handful of years ago they just know that it's been done and that's what they need to do to be uh on the podium or in the conversation let's say so okay so the men's podium was harley clifford who who, who else was on the podium? i know tony iacone took the win harley clifford was on the podium i can't believe this happened an hour ago literally and i'm already drawing a blank who else was on the podium can you tony iacone to- tony iacone took the win yeah harley clifford was on that podium and then who else was on there? Was it a straight Aussie podium here? Holy crap, dude. And we've got the photos literally right in front literally right in front of us. Okay, but let's talk about Tony Iacone, man. No, it was Massey, dude. Oh, Massey. Massey. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, I, holy smokes, Massey. I mean, you're the most unforgettable dude on the planet. So, my apologies for even blanking on that for that long. Okay, so Massey Pipferetti, we'll start with him cuz he took third place. Straight out of the gates, semifinals and finals. How sick is that 360 rewind at 360? And how crazy is it that he's so consistent on it? People's rewind game is strong these days. And then Massey had that blind Pete Rose in his run as well. Uh, Double flips. And it's just so great to see Massey back. Have you had a chance to film with him or shoot with him outside of a contest yet since he's returned from injury? Sure. The Malibu um, uh, catalog shoot, I was with uh, Massey. And, man, I mean, dude, he's always been sick. And he'll continue to be sick forever. Like no matter if he stops wakeboarding today, he'll he'll be one of the sickest riders ever to touch the water. But he is on he's on fire right now. Like these get, dudes are like, man, when you when one of these guys catches fire, it's pretty incredible. Like um, when you know when you find like that like that like you can do no wrong. I think people call it like flow. They call it flow state where like athletes like find that like. You know, like no matter what you do, even when you make a mistake, like the ball bounces your way, for lack of a better term, even though we're not playing ball sports. Um, it's uh, it's just a it's a crazy reality that like when these top tier athletes start falling into um, this this like just like I don't know how to describe it, except for the fact that like they're on and uh, and and when they're on, like anything as possible so like you talk about like consistency and all this stuff like yeah they're consistent as all hell and the and and it's it's not going anywhere man like they're uh there's peaks and valleys and but yeah i mean even in their valleys they're great but when they're peaking i mean 
dude, you can't really can't really hold him down. Well, Massey's flow uh, or Massey's style flows off the water as well. Wouldn't you consider him to be probably like best dressed guy on site at these events or what? Yeah, I mean, this weekend or today, he was wearing something that like legitimately was like, I mean, they could have been pajamas, but they had buttons on them and like. It was definitely like, I don't know if we can say this, but it was like a free ball setup for sure. Like, I don't know. I'm not sure he was wearing uh, underwear and that stuff. I sure hope he was. And then the cowboy hat on top. And he's just, he's got a great look going on on the water and off the water. I'm really excited. I'm so glad that his confidence is back um, and his riding is back. Uh, we're going to move on in the podium, uh, Pro Men's. Uh, Harley Clifford. What's going on with Harley? I-, I thought Harley rode really, really good this weekend, but. He, it's like one of those things where I think people almost judge Harley against Harley. Himself, yeah. yeah, you know, and you forget how good the guy is, especially against these guys. But, man, he's so consistent. And his mental game, is he, like, the most – does he have the highest mental game out of any of these riders? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But that has to do with the position he's put himself in years and years and years in a row. I mean, like, as a young kid, he was always a dude that everybody's like, man, this kid could really do it. And he's not a dude that, like, had potential. He did he did that. Like, and he continues to do it. It's just that the field has caught up, man. Like, Harley was leaps and bounds better than everybody else for many years. And, and, uh, and the thing is, is, like, Harley takes dudes in. And, like, he shows them what's up. And he rides with them and has roommates and, like, it's not just to get a couple extra bucks for the mortgage. It's like he doesn't need that, you know. Like I think he feeds off the youth as well, but the youth feeds off him too, man. They see like they see. It goes right back to what I was saying. Like they don't know what's impossible. They only know what they've seen done. And and uh, I mean they've seen Harley Clifford at his at his peak. And and I'm not saying he's not at his peak now. I'm just saying other people are peaking too. And and it's the difference. Like you, dude. I mean, they could basically like. It's a difference between like a trick. It's one trick. It could be even like you could might maybe even do you could even argue that it could be a landing, you know, or the way you did a trick. Like not even that you fell. Yeah, no well, no doubt about it. I mean the level like like you said, it's just it's it's just insane right now and they're pushing it. But you know, looking at a guy like Harley and then I'm like watching the doc and I know Harley, I, I, I heard Harley say that he spent most of the finals in his car because it was so hot out here. But you still look at the dock, and those boys are pushing each other, and they're cheering each other on. They're patting each other on the back. Is the camaraderie for real down there? What like What's your thoughts on it? And also, like, what other sports does camaraderie where there's $12,000 for first place on the line, yet everybody wants it, but they also want each other to do awesome? Well... It's funny that as you're talking about camaraderie, I'm looking at a picture of Corey Tunison on the dock, patting Massey on the back, telling him good luck. And Corey didn't make the finals, which is crazy because he's probably the hottest wakeboarder on right at the moment, you know, like he's been winning. Um, so he's been on point like, um, yeah. And he's just there, like giving the props. Is it real? Yeah, it's real. They really, leg- they all want to win, dude. But nobody's like, hell yeah, he crashed. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're like, they want to beat you at your very best. And uh, and so that being said, it goes, they want you to do the very best that you can. So, And then Tony Iacone, he just goes out there. This guy crushes. He's, he's consistent. He's big. His riding is, in my opinion, it's getting super styly. You know, obviously when he was younger, you know, he had a lot of great tricks, but it's different, you know, he, his physique, he's slimmed down, he's stronger than ever, and I think he looks great when he's riding. Dude's an animal. I mean, like, you take a look at, like, man, if you need to get, if you need, like, armor, like, put Tony in front of you. Like, that dude is thick, and he's a, yeah, he's, he's a rad dude, too. Like, man, like, uh, he's grown into his physique, for sure. When he was a kid, man, like, he had these like tree trunk legs and he was just kind of like, I mean, like, you know how it is when you're just like, just starting to fit into your body. Like he maybe didn't fit his whole physique, but how yeah. cool, like the guy. Okay. So he's like a big, thick guy. He's like, he, he's kind of big for the wakeboarders body style, but he has like a, a, a finesse. Yoked. No. Yeah. He's yoked up, but like, yeah, very similar to like, uh, like, like rusty and like, yeah, like he's a big dude. It's a big guy. It's not your typical wakeboarder. But uh, 
is Tony sick? Hell yeah, he's sick. You know, like, and uh, yeah, I mean, like, dude, all, his tricks look great. Like today, he did. Uh, what what did he do? Like Moby Dick? Yeah, Moby Dick he does is humongous. It's just massive. It's like Dean Smith style, just a huge tantrum, way out into the flats, backside three sixty. I mean, you got to give Nick Rapp a credit too. He does a big Moby One Dick of the too. Biggest ones ever for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he might have been the first person since Dean to do him that big, right? Like, and uh, and he's got his own take on it, right? I think. Uh, but but yeah, dude. Uh, Tony's first trick, his come out trick, was massive. The doc went crazy. Hey guys, you know I gotta jump in here real quick to talk about Wake Responsibly. If you want to know the truth, most of the conflicts we experience on the water stem from loud music. People have the volume on their speakers set way too high. Someone complains and things get heated. Remember to put yourself in other people's shoes. Be respectful of others and their tastes. Maybe some folks prefer to quietly listen to old school hip hop and don't want to hear you blasting Lil Pump at 11 o'clock at night. Be conscious of that. And if someone does complain, instead of getting all defensive and angry, try to be courteous. While you're at it, please stay 200 feet away from the shoreline, docks, and other boaters. Minimize repetitive passes on any one portion of shoreline. Let other people see how rad you are, folks. Go to wakeresponsibly.com, take the compliance exam, and get the free sticker. Put it right there on the windshield of your boat and encourage others to do the same. If we all wake responsibly, we'll be able to continue to wake forever. Okay, so I think if you look at current standings on the Wakeboard World Series right now, biggest upsets of the weekend were um, Nick Rappa not making it to finals or Corey Tunison not making it to finals. But what does this mean as we progress into the next portion of the season for those guys? I mean, I don't think they're phased, man. It's just another weekend. I think so, dude. I think those guys know damn well that they have that. They got it in the bag. If they do what they do, they got it in the bag, and that's true for a lot more people than we could say that it has been true for in the past. I mean, like, there's legitimately, like, there was eight dudes on the dock today, and a couple guys we just said didn't make it, and I could still think, like, every single one of them guys could win. So, yeah. It's unbelievable. It was really cool also seeing Noah Flegel make his comeback and also Ali Jerome, um, who is still around. He's just... Um, kind of like in that sort of next phase of his career maybe where he's kind of at the place where he can pick and choose which events he actually wants to be at. How good was it seeing Noah and Ollie and what did you think of their rides? I mean, they ripped, dude. They're, uh, Noah's incredible. He's just coming back off of an injury and um, he's there too. I mean, there's another dude that could win. Like, he can win. So, uh, yeah, there's nothing, like, you can't take really any negatives. Ollie... I mean, dude, the dude's a veteran. Like, uh, he's a vet. And, and Do you realize that Ali's first world championships was in 2003? I, I didn't know that, but um, I don't doubt it. I mean, like, he's uh, he's been around for so long, and, and he's just – I mean, Ali's one of the best dudes out there, and, like, he's probably legitimately, like, one of the – still today, one of the best all-around wakeboarders, like, boat and cable combined – um, alive, you know, waterman in general. He was a water skier first too. hundred percent. Like I, you see him like at a contest, like the yard sale. Um, and, uh, and he, and he like more than holds his own. Like he, he can go out there and do damage. And, and, uh, there's like him and his brother, like there's very few guys that can do it on the level that they do it at in both disciplines. Like it's just not a, uh, it's not a common thing. It's getting, to maybe be something that people are striving for more, but uh, usually somebody picks a side, you know, whether they ride boat or they ride cable. Um, n- but uh, the Jerome brothers, uh, Gunther Oka, uh, Trevor Maurer, dudes are like, uh, they're special. They're special athletes. Totally. Okay, so Rodrigo, some huge history being made at this event this weekend, too, and I want to get your thoughts on it. For the first time ever in the WWA's Wakeboard World Series, it was equal prize money for both pro men and pro women, and just because they did equal prize money, they didn't hold back. This was 
probably one of the biggest purses I've seen in a long time. $60,000 altogether, $12,000 first place for pro men, $12,000 first place for pro women. Just your thoughts in general on it. Uh, I mean, the chicks deserve it. They've been riding for just as long as the dudes, and, um, you know, I don't see why they shouldn't get paid just as much as the just as much as the guys. You know, it's just uh, I think it's probably about time that everybody adopted that. You know that you just you put out equal prize money, and if uh, you're gonna have two pro divisions, you should probably pay the pros what you pay the pros. You know. Okay, so so from where you were sitting, you go to all these contests, and you get to see the girls when they aren't riding for the same prize money. You get to see them when they are riding for the same prize money. Did you notice that maybe the girls were? working a little harder this weekend uh like i mean i thought the final was insane I don't, I don't think so i think they put it all out there every time no matter what i think these when you get this far man you probably go that hard for free because it's just what you do that's like how you that's how you ended up there you know like you just go hard and uh they're competitive with themselves really you know they're obviously competing against each other but ultimately your biggest competition is yourself. Like you're the only person that can tell yourself I can't do it and convince yourself not to do it. Right. Or, or the other way around, like, Hey, I can do this and, and you actually get it done. So, so do I think they went harder because of the money? No, I think they, uh, I think they went as hard as they always do. And, uh, I think they're probably just getting better, uh, because time, uh, makes you better. Okay, so we'll go through the pro the podium here real quickly. So it was uh, Megan Ethel, main event, took third place. Dallas Friday took second place. And the young gun, Zara Kell, took first place. I thought it was just an awesome-looking podium there because you've got the contest crusher, Megan Ethel. You've got the veteran, the X Games gold medalist, the SB Award winner, Dallas Friday. And then, of course, um, the young up-and-comer, Zara Kell, who does have some big credentials under her belt already, a Moomba Masters champion. Uh, Nautique Wake Open champion, of course, but now, dude, the one of the youngest girls out there competing and taking home a twelve thousand dollar check. Let's go through the podium real quick and uh, just break it down for us, Rodrigo, from from your lens, Megan Ethel. Oh, I mean, where do you start? Chick's badass. I mean, like, she's a uh, she is she's the nicest human being in the world, and she is a monster competitor she's incredibly competitive and one of the and she's and like i said like she doesn't want to beat you she wants to beat herself she wants to beat what she thinks she's capable of every time man like she doesn't cruise she like she she goes hard man and like i mean what like through my lens i love it like you 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 can tell when somebody's giving you their all and, uh, and I, I think that she doesn't really know any other way. So that's so Dallas Friday was back on the podium, and it's so cool because, you know, Dallas is in one of those rides. We're not seeing her at every single event, but when she comes, she shows. She shows up. And just classic Dallas. The girl still rips on a wakeboard. She still has the amplitude. She still goes big. She's still pushing women's wakeboarding, and it seems like her competitive drive is still there. But Dallas is 33 years old, and she's been competing for 20 seasons. Like, what are your thoughts on, on, on watching Dallas when she's out there and, and also your conversations with her in general? I, I love Dallas as well. Like, um, I mean, she's one of the – she's an OG. I mean, there's no way around it. She's a full-blown OG, and she's like – yeah, she's a mom two times over, and she's, a, she's also a full-blown badass. I mean, like, there's nothing that you can say about Dallas um, in the neg. You know, she's like uh, – I talked to her – and, and to be totally honest with you, like, so she goes out there, she does her thing. She's clearly still like, got it. It never went anywhere. Um, she's just, uh, she's super cool when it, when it all boils down to it. Like she wants to see her competition do well, um, as well, because I think that it means more to her if she wins and everybody's riding great than as, you know, if she just like takes a win for just, you know, because everybody fell, like, like that's uh that's not how anybody wants to win but like man we were on the dock and like we talk and dallas is private man she's like keeps to herself unless she's comfortable around you and she's comfortable enough around me over the years to like she opens up and like talks to me and you're the oracle it's easy for people to open up to you <laughs> well thanks thanks for that man she's like uh but she like expressed like how she you know she knew 
that um, she already kind of knew that she was in sitting in second position, I think, and that Megan was the last person off the dock and that like Megan had the potential to put her back in the third and put Zara in the second. Things didn't go Megan's way like the way she planned. But um, she like basically uh, she was like, man, like, you know, like Meg's got all the tools like, you know, I wish her the best. I hope she does it, you know, and she's even talking about like to her, like you can just see it's not about like just the cash. It's it's uh, it's more about like uh, wanting to see her girls do well. And I don't think cash has anything to do with Dallas being here still. No. Not at all. I chat with Dallas, and she's like, Daniel, I'm going to be riding these events till I'm 60 years old. Do you believe that Dallas is going to be riding these events till she's 60 years old? I mean, until she stops coming, yeah, you got to believe her. <laughs> all right, and the winner of the event in the pro women's division was Zara Kel, 16 years old from Australia. 16? 16. I think she's 15, dude. Well, her bio says 16, Rodrigo. She might not have a license yet. But anyways, her father, of course, one of the Australian pioneers of wakeboarding. Scotty Kell also has, like, the top wakeboard school in Australia. But how crazy – okay, first of all, this is, like, her third, if, I, if I've got it right, her third major win. But I feel like Zara basically – for people who don't know Zara, she also has a pretty solid snowboard background. But she kind of, like, hung it all up to take wakeboarding serious. Right. Well, I mean, she, uh, I think that little chick could do whatever she wants. She's, uh, she's a, she's super young and like, she's another, just like, like I said, man, like the, the more time and time, the more time goes on, like the more like badass individuals are involved and she's one of those badass individuals and she's proven it. You know, she came from, she, I think the first time we saw her ride, she was 13 or something. And like, this is the first time I think I saw her actually compete and, she competed, you know, she didn't just go out there and, and, uh, do okay. I think she was like in the final, like her first time and first pro contest. And, and, uh, she's been right there ever since, you know, like, um, people have their ups and downs and, uh, when she's up, you, I mean, look at where she stands. She stands in first place. All right. So that's pretty much the recap of the Malibu factory pro there. Um, I know that you have been busy on the road and whatnot. You were recently a part of the Hyperlight team photo shoot yeah yep i've been with hyperlight shooting hyperlight stuff for heading up on uh 15 years i think now so yeah it's been been a long run so you guys had the photo shoot up in your neck of the woods does that make things any easier uh sure yeah i mean it's it's a trippy thing because like you you would think it would make it easier but that being said when you're away you really don't have uh you really don't you're like there you know what i mean like you're in it like you don't have a chance to like go home and chill for a little bit so so there's pluses and minuses to it but it was nice being at home we caught some insane days the delta produces awesome um images so okay nice. well the crew was insane i was like watching the social media and first of all just getting to hang out with sean murray scott byerly and rusty malinowski and then the rest of the Hyperlight team. I mean, how much fun is it? And just talk about some of the characters. Uh, I mean, we're a stock full of them. I think we have, you know, like uh, arguably some of the greatest uh, contributors to wakeboarding ever. And then some of the newest, like, greats as well. Like, um, I mentioned Trevor Maurer earlier. Uh, that kid, I, I mean... You, I think he's probably invented more tricks in the last five years than anybody has. So I just had Rusty on the last episode, episode 125 of the podcast, and it's really cool to hear where he's at and what he's up to. And he seems to be in a really, really, really good place. But um, with you watching him out there, um, how's like, how do you perceive his riding and basically like where he's at and what he's doing? Because obviously he's not really the contest guy anymore. Yeah, like Rusty is a... I mean, he's got his own thing going now, man. If Rusty's on, like, he could still compete, dude. But, like, but he's uh, he's one of those dudes that's, like, um, uh, he's one of those dudes that's just, like, I mean, you go out and watch him smash double-ups and stuff and, like, ride. Like, I think, like, dude, he did, like, a 10 while we were in, like, we were shooting and, um, and it was easy, like it was easy. And then like, he goes out and like smashes double ups. He goes bigger than like basically anybody, you know? And, uh, and he's a massive dude. And like his drive is there. I mean, like 
he's one of those guys that maybe doesn't need the contest to be who he is. I mean, but at one point he sort of did, right? Yeah. But I think that as you progress in life, like you create your own path and Rusty's path now is different. Like Rusty is, uh, Rusty is like a legend rider and he's still doing it. So like, um, he doesn't need to travel to the contest to like maybe get on the podium or maybe get into a final. I think he's got like different like avenues that he's taking his riding. And, and I think they're pretty awesome. Like not everybody can do that, um, but he can. And so he is. So that's pretty cool. All right. Well, another conversation Rusty and I had was about um, UFC fighter Cowboy Cerrone and following you through your social media stuff. I noticed that um, it, and I don't know if you're doing a lot less wakeboard stuff these days, but it seems like you're really getting out there, and it seems like you've been doing a lot of stuff with some um, high-profile fighters as of late, including um, like a, a big relationship with with Cowboy Cerrone. And you've been spending a lot of a lot of time in Texas. What's been happening on that end? Well, um, I spend time in Texas hanging out with the Steiner family, and we've been like working on a project with the Steiners that's like been pretty awesome, and that's coming out um, soon. Uh, with a brand called Hui uh, Apparel, um, uh, and um, it's focused on Rocker and the Steiner family. Um, pretty awesome, like rodeo-based kind of deal. And obviously, Rocker is a wakeboarder, and and um, so that's uh, in there as well because it's another one of his focuses. And um, so uh, that's been an, an awesome stuff. And I've met some badass cowboys through the whole thing. You know, like I've got a chance to hang out with like legendary cowboys and meet you know, like guys like Ty Murray and, uh, Ross Coleman and, um, you know, Bonner, Bonner Bolton. And, and all these guys are all wakeboard fans too, right? Yeah, man. Uh, the Cowboys, um, love, they love being on the boat, man. I mean, these dudes rodeo super hard. Their job is, I mean, it's the original extreme sport, right? Like they still call wakeboarding air dogging. I think Ross does. Yeah. Let's do some air dogging. <laughs> I believe he does. Um, that's just uh, it's just one of those things, man. Like like all these guys are incredible. Like yeah, you know, like uh, I got to meet some new school dudes at like uh, four time world champ Casey Field, Tilden Hooper, who's probably going to be a future world champion here. He's been doing it for a long time, but is on fire right now. Um, uh, and so we're just uh, I've been super lucky uh, to be surrounded by all these badass dudes and open up a new world. And um, yeah, man, like uh, as a photographer or content creator whatever the case may be like you get fired up on what you get fired up on and and uh that has been fueling me for a while now and uh well hey so i'm like sitting here talking about cowboy cerrone and you're talking about like all these actual like real cowboys cowboy cerrone is a real ass cowboy that was getting to him but like (laughs) there's a maybe we don't let him hear that part (laughs) no yeah (laughs) no he, he would laugh um yeah he's he's a real deal cowboy that uh that's not like just a branding thing, man. That's who he is. He's one of the hardest working dudes I've ever met in my life. And like, he works hard at having fun. So like, if you can imagine, like he works hard at working and he works hard at having fun. He just doesn't know any other way. He goes, you know, balls to the wall, everything he does. And I've been super, uh, I've been super lucky to like become like friends with the guy. Like, I feel like we're, we're close buddies. And, um, he's, uh, you know, like sometimes people just, trust you to be around their small circle. And and I've been lucky enough to like be a part of that small circle. And I've got to see some insight on some real stuff, you know, and like some guys that like maybe come off as larger than life. And, and, um, in reality, they're just human beings, just like everybody else. And, and, uh, they go through all of it. I've seen cowboy, um, get nervous, you know, um, and, uh, and still perform like a champ that he is. And, um, I've also seen, you know, uh, I've seen things not go his way, like in this last fight, like, uh, and a lot of it, in my opinion, was due to like a, a bad call, um, by the refs, but, but that in no way is going to slow that dude down. And, and, um, I'm actually heading out to his place right now, um, in the next day or two to go shoot some other stuff with, uh, one of his sponsors, uh, Henry, uh, repeating arms, it's a rifle company and, so, yeah, man, I mean, I've been branching out, and it's been good. It's been healthy. Um, it's just, I think, a natural progression of um, life, you know? 
Okay, so when you're like with Cowboy Cerrone and you're at the UFC, I mean, you were basically standing in his corner in Chicago at the fight. Am I right? I'm not in the corner. I'm in the uh, I'm in his uh, locker room, um, in the, like the dressing room. Like they have like the blue corner and the red corner, um, and they separate those dudes obviously because you can't put guys that are about to fight each other in the same warm up area. Um, because they're all killers and like tensions are high at the at the time. So, uh, but they respect each other like immensely. And so they're uh, they're out there and like. But I mean, you watch like as the moments get closer before when the guy walks in and says, "Cerrone, you have three minutes." You know, like before, like you feel the buildup. They know who's before them and they know um, who's uh, you know who who's um, they know who's on the card in front of them and they know when they're gonna go out and like. The tension is real. I mean, like, you're about to go do probably the most um, straightforward, brutal you could ever do as a human being. Like, I don't know if anybody has ever been in, like, in some sort of a fight, like when you were in school and somebody thought they wanted to, you know, meet you at the park after school and you had to live with that for five periods before you know, you got out there, imagine, uh, that amplified by a million where you have two months to know that you're about to get into the ring with not only somebody who wants to fight you, but it's their job and they're there because they're one of the best in the world. Like these dudes are no joke. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, the tension's real and you just, uh, but also too, man, like the victories are sweet man i could only imagine what that guy feels like when he has done his job and and uh he's a new dad and like when he when he picks up his baby boy after a victory and there's 50 60 000 people in an arena screaming your name and like in ottawa man like he laid it down and uh i'm in the back locker room and there's a concrete wall separating me and the fans and you could feel the fans when they were yelling his name you could feel the rumble through the walls you know so like when that type of stuff like makes the hair on the back of your neck you know stand up straight and it's it's a really palpable real thing okay so the one thing i kind of want to know about is so you've been around some of the most competitive competitively intense wakeboarders guys like rusty guys like phil sovin um even nowadays like nick rapp is a very intense i think wakeboarding especially when it gets to that clutch moment they're very hyper focused on their job at hand um fighting like you said is so serious so how different is like a cowboy cerrone versus like a like a phil sovin or a rusty malinowski in that clutch moment do you see any similarities sure yeah they want it bad there's like like a switch you know, there's a switch. They, uh, when it's go time, they just, they go. It's, it's, I mean, it's different because, but how does that work with you? Because here's the thing. I feel like when Rusty's about to hit the water in finals at the world championships, he's still going to goof off a little bit with you, but is Cowboy Cerrone saying anything to you? Is he even looking at you? Sure. Yeah. I'm there shooting. He knows what I'm doing. He gives me the good all the time. Like, uh, He'll come straight at my camera. There'll be ESPN cameras right there, and like he'll he'll warm up directly at my camera. He he knows exactly what's going on. He's very aware um, when he needs time to let it all sink in or get away. Um, he doesn't look at anybody. He's he's in his own zone, and uh, only he can tell you what's going on in his head at that moment. But uh, but yeah, man. I mean, like um, the similarity of wanting to win as an athlete is the same the consequences as a fighter are probably way different. So, um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of similarities and then there's, there's those major differences as well. So very cool. All right. Hey, uh, Rod, anything else coming up? You, uh, like any projects or anything like that with you, um, aside from wakeboarding or these fights or any big projects you're excited about? Uh, yeah, this Henry thing is going to be awesome. I got some other stuff in the works with, uh, my, uh, buddy Mason, uh, Clements, a nickname Hollywood, who's a, uh, rodeo cowboy um we got we got a few different things in the works man and um i'm excited about all of them or else i I don't think i'd be a part of it so um i try to continue to do stuff that gets me amped and and right now that's uh that's what i'm doing but wakeboard wise do we have to worry about you going away you're gonna stick around here for a while no wakeboarding's my life so there's uh i'm here man yeah that's it
All right, brother. Hey, I know you're uh, still on social media, and uh, you probably have a website and stuff. If anybody wants to check out your body of work, or maybe if somebody wants to hire you, what do they do? Rodrigo Snaps is my website and my Instagram, and those are the best ways. I answer all my messages, and um, you know, uh, if you want to check out what I do, it's probably the best way to do it. And uh, yep, you can uh, can drop a deposit on any one of those sites you want. <laughs> Bada boom, that's how it works. Money talks, huh? Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, hey, Rodrigo, do we uh, miss, I, you know, a little impromptu, whatever. There's no script here. What do you think? Any, anything else? I think we nailed it. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah. Rodrigo Denoso, brother, it's so good to, to be back with you sharing the room. It's crazy because we went from sharing like 10 hotel rooms over the past three years in a row to like this is the first time we've been together this year, man. So good to see you, dude. Yeah, always good to see you too, Dana. Love you to death. All right, guys, there it is, Rodrigo Denoso for his second full appearance here on the Golden Mike Podcast. Oh, yeah. Attention, Nick Dawson. I just sent you your brand new O'Brien Wake Surfer, and I know you're going to love it, my friend. How do I know? Because everybody loves O'Brien because they make a board for everyone. Every Christmas, I do all my gift shopping right out of the O'Brien catalog, because I know I'll find something for everyone on my list. They have a versatile line of boards for beginners to pros in all styles. Their wake surf game is ace right now. I've ridden multiple O'Brien boards this summer and I've never gotten off one without thinking, I just had the time of my life, baby. This company is a true classic. For a full look at their product catalog, head on over to O'Brien.com and while you're there, Find a local dealer near you. That website again is O'Brien.com. O-B-R-I-E-N.com. Are you finding that people are less and less excited to step foot on your boat? Well, Roswell Marine has the perfect fix. How about their brand new, all new R1 Pro Tower speakers featuring the world's first LED color changing RGB translucent housing. Check out Roswell's product catalog and never have another boring day on the boat again. They offer a huge selection of top quality marine audio equipment, board racks and wake towers. Roswell's motto is quality without compromise and no matter what you buy, you can buy it with confidence knowing that Roswell products are built to perform reliably from the moment you install them. They have 35 preferred dealers located all throughout the United States and Canada. Be sure to use the dealer search function on their website roswellmarine.com to find the one closest to you. That website again is www.roswellmarine.com. Presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast with the noise of the North, Dano the Mano. How awesome was that? Rodrigo Denoso is just one of those guys that's so passionate about the sport. And well, he's just passionate about pretty much everything that comes out of his mouth. And whenever we get together, it's hard for us to contain our excitement, folks. I want to thank him so much for agreeing to come back on the podcast. And I'm really always looking forward to the next time that I can have Rodrigo on to discuss, well, just about anything. Now, I'll tell you what else I'm looking forward to. The Nautique Big Dog World Tour Finals on August 8th and 9th at beautiful Okehealy Park in West Palm Beach, Florida. It's a part of the U.S. three-event national championships. For those of you not familiar with Big Dog, it's an event for male slalom skiers that are 35 years old and older and ski at 35 miles per hour versus the normal 36 mile per hour standard for pros and men skiers. From there, I'm flying back to the Midwest, going to stop by the 45th Inmar Division I Show Ski National Championships in Warsaw, Indiana, to support my beloved Twin Lakes Aquanuts on their path to hopefully another national title. But while I'm on the subject, I got to give them some praise for taking second place at the Wisconsin State Water Ski Show Ski Championships last month. That is the biggest 
Toad Water Sports event in, well, just about anywhere in the world, my friends. And the Aquanuts rocked the house. A special shout out to Jared Meyer, who took home an individual award for most outstanding trick skier and Kaylee Kohler, member of Team USA for both show skiing and barefooting, who won the most outstanding female skier of the tournament. Also, a special congrats to the legendary Aquanauts Ballet Line for winning another award for Best Ballet Line. Just wanted to give Twin Lakes a little love because then I'm full-on Twin Lakes Corn Fest mode for August 16th and 17th. As a reminder, you can get all the latest Twin Lakes Corn Fest information at tlcornfest.com, tlcornfest on Instagram, and Twin Lakes Corn Fest on Facebook. I can't believe it's almost here, and I can't wait to see all of you there taking in the water sports, grooving to the live music, and munching down on all the corn you can handle. It's an event that's fun for everyone. It's made up of show skiers, barefooters, traditional three-event skiers, wakeboarders, collegiates, kids, semi-pros, pros, amateurs, and their parents. So come cap off your summer the right way. Centurion Boats is going to be in the house. The waterproof tour is going on. So we got demos. It's going to be unbelievable. Meanwhile, I'll be capping off the month of August in Waco, Texas at the 2019 Nautique WWA Wake Park and Wake Surf National Championships at BSR Barefoot Ski Ranch. So if you happen to be in the area, why not stop by and show some support? Thank you all for listening and an enormous thank you to the sponsors of this podcast for their continued support. Thank you to SeaDeck Marine Products, Boulder Boats, Masterline, Centurion Boats, WSIA, Roswell Marine, O'Brien, Lead Wake, Conley, Ronix, Hyperlight, and GoPuck. Behind the scenes, a special thanks to Jenna Carruth on the web, Jane Levy in the office, Arthur Shabashavich on copy, and Rich Walsh on the sound. That's it. That's all for me, folks. And just a reminder, you can follow me on Facebook at the Golden Mike Podcast and on Instagram at Dano T. Mano. You can message me there or goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. Again, I want to thank you all for tuning in and listening. As always, I am the Noise of the North, the one and only Daniel Mano, and you can hear me next time right here on the Golden Mike Podcast.